Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. Baby, if you ever wonder... Wonder whatever became of me. I'm living on the air on the internet. It's a snow day outside. It's the three-on-one. I'm Matt Ryan. Not on WKRP. I got tired of packing and unpacking, so I just texted Big Rob Fabian and Corey Hammond. Let's just do the podcast now. Like, we all have a semblance of a snow day. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. The sun... I think it was the first time outside of the two shows we did at Cole's game and in Bullhead where we've done the podcast with sunlight out. Like, there's actual sunlight. And it's right. not in the wee hours of the mid to late evening while Rob is at work and Corey is <laughs> being a dad and I'm just sitting here. Well, well somehow it's, it's, it's almost 1 a.m. and I'm still somehow, like, full energy screaming at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. You're a maniac. But listen, when you run a cross face play action to the backside and don't <laughs> block the ball, oh no. my god! Let's uh, so we'll start there. Um, this is a snow day episode of the show, which means there is no format, uh, there is no news. Um, we may do little news bites here and there, but um, I want to talk about our news team, and I, I want to talk to our news team uh, because we're going to be hiring new people for the three on one news team. Uh, cause I feel like I don't have to do all of this by myself and Corey deserves the spotlight and he needs a sidekick. Um, so <laughs> we are filling roles for the audition, uh, the role of Tim Piz, that's P-I-Z-Z, who will be the new news anchor character on the show alongside Corey. That's Tim P-I-Z-Z. Uh, information can be found at the three on one podcast page, but we dropped the clip from last week's podcast where Corey for Rob, guess how long Corey spoke about one play from oh. the Fall Brawl Championship? Oh, easy. An hour. You crazy? You, Corey Hammond? You, you could have <laughs> taken the under on this one, but it was 16 minutes. He spent 16? 16 13 I'd, uninterrupted I'd, minutes. I'd say about eight was the one play. And then, it's Rob, fair. I went into the, the, the drive in which tied 26-26. The championship hopeful sick with a team. All they had to do was stop the run game of the Insomniacs coming out in a wildcat, giving the ball. Scooter Hamilton, shout out to my guy who obviously is a good play caller, right? You know, I, I want to just clarify my take last week was not a negative uh, to Scooter Hamilton. It was just kind of to juxtapo- juxtapose the the experience that Geary had to go through to try to win a championship, in which his Coach sabotages him on the last play of the game. And shout-outs oh, to Munchie. 
Shout out to Munchie for reaching out and absolutely 100. Oh, a coach, right? That's your favorite. That's your favorite part of. Uh... I mean, but here's my thing. Here's my thing. If, is that not proof of why a coach in a situation like that would hurt? So who who would have the best right, but, but if, idea if were... of what to do in that situation? The coach who's on the sideline. Uh, an experienced quarterback that knew what he, ne- he needed to do in a situation. And let's let's give a little bit of bail to Mark Gray because I've been throwing him absolutely under a, a bullet train, and it's a mile long, and it's been constantly bumping, bumping, bumping. And as we saw on uh, Monday night on Facebook, it's it gets worse. But there's a chance that the guys didn't execute properly the play that was called. That is possible. Now, that wasn't any of the correspondence that I got directly from him in his response to my tirade. But, again, it's that play on fourth and six. And it also overshadows, just to be clear to the rest of Sick With It, A, one of the reasons I went nuclear is because deep in my heart, even though I love the Insomniacs guys too, and this whole offseason has been about like me versus Vegas when I've been the biggest Vegas advocate on our show, which is weird, Vegas guys, cool. But it, it, what I said overshadows a, a pretty decent performance. Now, it wasn't perfect, but at times, Sigwit was doing exactly what they needed to do to walk out of there with the hardware oh and the bragging God. rights. But I wasn't, I wasn't here last week to speak on any of I know, and you, you should go open up, so let me just, let me just get, shoot my little like, other side of it. Because fourth and six on, <laughs> I was literally angry at what was taking place because more than anything I want to be able to in midseason right before the sick with the game say this is the week guys the insomniacs are going down now will I 100% believe that anymore I don't know we'll see but Rob what was your take on the championship game because we did miss you last week and I think it's important that people know that I knew you were going to say Jeremy Geary was ass and I already covered him so what else you got (laughs) Oh no no! I'm I'm to be very honest. I have no, I have nothing bad to say about sick with it. Yeah, it, it it really. I'm just surprised that everybody thought sick with it had a chance, right? And my reason for that is, are we not understanding that a lot of the insomniacs guys weren't taking them seriously in that first half? I called the insomniacs a second half team, and um. They I can't say who specifically. Showing up in the second exactly. quarter. But I knew there was a player who told me specifically that they were showing up at halftime, second quarter. They were going to sit in the car, eat some food, and then come out to the game to finish it strong. Was there was it no doubt. Nuggets? I'm not saying who it was, but there was no doubt in my mind, no matter what that score was, that the Insomniacs were going to lose. Simply because the, the Insomniacs were going to come back. You said that they were no, going to no, lose. No. I didn't say they were going to lose. No, I didn't think they were going to lose at all. Yeah. Regardless of what that score was, first half, the score in the first half looked a little. I said, I said, oh, there's a few people not playing. Cool. I'll be back. And when I came back, they were they were tying the game. They scored 24 unanswered points. I'm not. Listen, listen. We the Insomniacs are playing with their food. They don't give a shit. They. This team is that good that they can do some shit like that to make it look like it was good, but it wasn't a good game from Sick With It. Sick With It, they were just playing with y'all. It was like, you know, when the big brother wrestles the little brother and the little brother does the, the stone cold stutter where he spears him, and, and now the big brother sells it and his hands are in the air, and everybody's like, oh, my God, you hit him so hard. 
in reality, the big brother's like, yeah, it's time to kill this little mother. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> now I'm going to get him. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's you're not yelling at the top of your lungs like a lunatic, but that's a more scathing indictment than what I was saying. It, it's really but, but not. I would, it's to say, let's focus this perspective on this a little bit. Because we are five Sundays now away from right. the A7FL season. Um, when you look at the fact that the final four will come down to the top two teams in the East and the top two teams in the West, and it could end up being the Nevada one, Nevada two, Northeast one, Northeast two. Do you think that's sick with it? At the two seed in Nevada right now, hypothetically. Do you think they survive it to the Western Conference Final, or do you think a team like the Chaos or a team like the Aces could knock them out? Uh, because we don't have much information on what's going on in L.A., L.A. is always a little bit of a wild card because, you know, you've got guys like Billy Mallard or Billy Millard. I don't, I don't know how to say it right, but you got guys like him that are over there. So if he decides to bring out his, his ringers, you'll have a pretty decent team coming out of L.A. But, again, that's that's just all hypothetical stuff we don't know. So can Sick, sick with it can lose to a team like that with a bunch of well, skilled who did sick you know, good play, football players? Who did Sick would it play in the second round of the Vegas Last. fall playoffs? Because they, they played the, that great game against the Force so, in the first round. I think they played the Aces, did they not? They did play they the did. Aces. They did play the Aces. And they boat raced them. Yeah, they, they, they wave race 60 for them. So listen, yeah, I, I don't I believe it. Yeah, they wave race sixty four. But That's I, I'm talking game. about like That's a great reference. going through just going through hypothetically. Yeah, so that that hypothetical for me, I think the, the California team, unless they make a huge change, and look, there's gotta be in the entire state of California one quarterback that can throw a spiral, likely with flowing blonde hair and can surf. But there's got to be somebody that they could put on their roster so they can complete a forward pass. If they do that, that, that might change the narrative a little bit because Billy Millard, at, at times, from what I've seen on the film, they just put him at quarterback and they're just like, all right, man, just run around. People can't tackle you. Ooh, and in, the LA, in an L.A. division, that works perfectly. He scores seven touchdowns a game. Um, but against Sikwidit, as much as we might come down on Sikwidit and say that we're not really feeling them that, that, you know, that highly, they're not going to lose, in my opinion, to L.A., no, and no, no, but remember what I the said. The chaos? I don't know, I said, man. I, I, I didn't mention so. the chaos. There's a reason why I didn't mention the chaos. I'm not mentioning anything in Ohio. I'm sorry. That, well, I think, Ohio's, area, I, I think Ohio's going to beat L.A. We No, that's why, I'm, that's why I said what I said. I said L.A. can be a wild card because we don't know what's going on over there. It's quiet. They could, they could be gathering guys. They could be looking the same way they did last year, the year before. We don't know. But the thing is, with sick with it, what everybody has to remember is, though I think the insomniacs are not battle tested, I think sick with it is battle tested. Sick with it is the little brother that gets beat up on, and when that little brother keeps getting beat up on, what do you think he's gonna do to the little brothers that come after that? He's gonna beat them the hell up. So sick with it is not, you know, they're not like a complete garbage team. Like I, I truly don't think they're trash in that aspect. I just don't think they'll break out of the West as the number one unless the Insomniacs decide to not be good. That would just be on them, if I'm being honest. That's well, I, all on I the think there's two things. I think there's two things that we do have to be honest with. Yes, the Insomniacs have proven 
over and over again that they're better than stick with it right now. And there's things that maybe stick with it can do to close the gap, whatever. But I, I don't think it's fair to say that they did not have a chance in that previous no. game. No, no, they didn't. In your they mind, didn't. you were never worried. It, it, it's not my mind, Corey. I'm telling you. They had a chance. Fact, it was 26-26 it was with four minutes left Corey, on, on the six-yard line. Corey, All they have to do is Corey, punch it in. Corey, Corey, you let a team score 24 unanswered points in the second half. You stood no chance, and they were playing with you the entire – there's no way – they were taking you seriously. You got, you got to be kidding me. I feel if, if that's not what we all saw, I, I don't know. Maybe we have to all collectively get our eyes checked. But the insomniacs were just kidding. Literally. Hey, JK, let's win. That's and, what they did. And but I've seen teams lose before, like that, Rob. But, I've seen teams lose like that. And, and you have, that but that consistently. Yeah, the you. The pattern, the, the pattern of all of those insomniacs, sick with it games, even going back to the very first one, week one of 2023. It was almost exactly the same, and we thought it was because we heard a lot about sick coming into that season. Everybody thought it was going to be there or the forces division to win. Yeah, but sick it, when it was Derek's preseason pick. Go ahead, yeah. my bad. No, you're fine. Uh, but when you see how the rest of that season went, they are the most high-powered offense in the division in terms of pure numbers they will they will find a way to throw the ball deep downfield and just try to beat you up vertically but the insomniacs are a team and i i made the equation to floyd mayweather and i think it's true sick with it is trying to get the flash knockout they're trying to come in and go anderson silva this is a team in the insomniacs that's much like habib Nurmagomedov. They are going to beat you. They are going to punish you, and they are going they to wrestle bears. Yes, they wrestle bears, but they are going to use every single second of that clock to remind you that they're better than you, and they will either walk you down or wait and then just sucker punch you, get you off your back foot, and completely make it impossible for you to go and change in real time because. The defensive adjustments in the second half for sick with it. That's one of the reasons why they got tripped up is because they just kept founding, finding themselves letting the Insomniacs dictate the pace of the game. They wanted it to be long. They wanted to utilize their running. They were going to be able to use Munchie whenever they wanted to. But sick had to be in so many places at once because the Insomniacs have weapons in the backfield and across their offense that make it hard for you to just straight up set up blitzes again and again. But you know you know what it reminds me of, Rob? Because we were talking about that, you know, a, a team that's like this, they're playing with their food, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily taking it seriously because they're just better, right? You know, that whole thing. I don't know if, if this is a perfect example, but remember the, the 2022 year, the first game against BICU? Where the U said, you know what, let let's let Sterry beat us with his arm, because he yeah. can't beat us with his arm, and it, it feels a little bit like that. It's it's the the we're the dominant team, and we're looking at the little brother, and we're we're not going to take him a hundred percent seriously at first, and then we'll we'll be able to close the gap. I've seen teams, especially in this league, lose that way, 
even when they are better. Because everybody knows that in a football game, there are difference-making situations and plays and players that can bridge the gap between a, 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 a on-paper roster versus an on-paper roster that's a little bit less talented. So, for instance, look no further than the Super Bowl, guys, right? We could all agree that, especially because they were favored and Patrick Mahomes has lost all of his meaningful targets in the pass game, and his offensive line looked like he was struggling. The 49ers, on paper, look like a better roster than the Kansas City Chiefs. And we don't like talking about that other league, but am I wrong in saying that, at least before the game? I never necessarily felt that way. And then to then take that comparison to go with, what, sick and then insomniacs? I well, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a perfect comp. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that in a, football, in a football game, the 49ers, listen, listen, Vegas knows what they're talking about. And whether it was because people were piling on because of the Taylor Swift thing, and shout out to Taylor Swift, who is the ultimate winner in all this. That's my dude. No comment. Go ahead, bro. Bro, you know you love seeing her face after every Kelsey. It's not even that right. much. She was on the game for less she barely than covered 4%. The over. She barely covered the over. Yeah, I was telling my wife you should take the you, under. You of, see of our faces off. in one A7FL game. Ten times more than you see Taylor Swift in a four-hour Super Bowl game. Yeah, and, bro, we're hideous. And then also she was with Blake Lively and whoever Lana Del Rey is. I don't even know. You don't, how do you not and, know who and, and Lana Ice Del Rey Spice. is? And Ice I don't know who, I'm, I don't I'm know like who Lana almost, Del Rey is. I'm almost 37, and I don't listen to music in the car. I'm like one of those losers that uh, listens to talk you, radio. So whatever. Who cares? I, I, I'm glad that I know who Dua Lipa is. So we're, this isn't a pop culture. I uh, just found out who Dua Lipa was. I'm not even lying. I'm dead ass. Like last week. Le- levitating is old, fire. We are an old podcast. Uh, Le- uh, levitating is fire, Rob. Okay, I'll check it out, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to. But, let's get out of pop back, culture. Back, yeah, 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 yeah. But back to. But, but so when you have a, a team that does all the right, makes all the right decisions in the Kansas City Chiefs in crunch time, you can win. If the if Sickwood makes the right decisions in crunch time, they could have won that game. No. And that's, if they put that's Darren, weird. if they put Darren no, they absolutely could. On fourth and six, if they put Darren Palmer one on one against well, any I other corner other said, than Justin Keith. So shout out to my so guy. Why didn't they, so because why their didn't coach they. thought it was great to go cross face play what, action and, to the backside and, and have the front side what? not blocked. Guess what? But guess what? That's why motherfuckers choose cheese. Wow. That's we why guess. people are, Oh, okay, I Fuck forgot we could. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be professional. That's why <laughs> motherfuckers is going to lose. In the heat That's of why the... they did lose. But that can yeah, change. But that, it's not going to change until they understand that the culture does not need someone caught. You, you, you got to understand what this is. And I'm, I'm taking, got to take it from the standpoint where I played semi-pro games, where our head coach gave us a play to run. They bring it to the huddle, and us as linemen say, yo, we're not running that. That's stupid. That's stupid. Do you know why we're saying that's stupid? Because we're on the field. We know who the best defenders are. We know who the linemen well, that are getting through and they're not to, getting through. So we make the call. To that point, though, for the most part, you would say that Scott Hamilton calls his own plays in the huddle or has enough I would trust. hope so. Yeah, there's enough well, what's, coaches what's, in that huddle. What's awesome about their cuddle, too, is this. Matt, you're right. Scott calls the plays. But they're like a democracy in the yeah. huddle, which is insane. And it's like, if you're down and you're trying to do a democracy, how does that work? But the last play of the championship game, it was, hey, we're going to run this play. And then, the, the like Rob was saying, the huddle basically was like, no, nah, Corey, Corey, 
Corey, I don't, I'm sorry, maybe this is a surprise and maybe because, again, when I was talking to a certain someone and discussing the viewpoint, my point of view is I'm up looking down and he was down looking up. That's what good teams do. But When we were in a championship in 2016 in CP3, who was at that point a second-year quarterback with one year of A7FL experience in one of the biggest games of his career at the time, CP3 looked to the vets on our offense to help guide him. If he called a play that was right and we agreed with it, we let it rock. He asked us our opinions from the line. He asked his receivers, what do you feel comfortable with? It is a freaking democracy because it can't be a dictator coach on a sideline who doesn't know that you do not play well against this press coverage of this man here who knows all your moves and the- that shit you know on the field. But which is, is it, why it, I'm always But it comes the down to is it a trust thing? Because we know Ken Tr- Stansberry trusts trust, that, but that's that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is it does Ken- Jeremy Geary trust the play calling too much, or does Mark Geary, uh, Mark uh, from Mark Gray, right. pardon me, not trust Jeremy Geary enough to make those changes on the fly? And is it because that offense has done it so well against lesser competition throughout the season because who else have they played because the insomniacs they they start slow they play with their food they take forever and then they'll boat race you at a certain point they'll just turn it on well i think the the perfect way to the perfect way to look at it is look at the two teams we're talking about how does coach james b coach the insomniacs he is more of a, a a phil jackson you know, ego monitor, right? He's there to make sure that all of the other things are taken care of, and the guys That's just play and call the plays. Of an right? Seven what, Mark, I'm sorry, That's right. what it is. And that's the thing. That's the thing that I think separates your point, Rob. That coaches are ass and they don't belong, and then that 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 coach isn't necessarily going to 100% work, because the thing that we're we're getting from Mark Gray is that he also is a good motivator, a collector of talent, and all all those kinds of things We're, that go behind the scene. But right, if he's on, the on, one on. calling plays be, yeah, and, they're, and they're designed let's, that way, let's, let's be specific. It's because a sabotage every time this comes up, No, every time this comes up, it's almost broken into, uh, well, Rob doesn't believe in, you know, a hierarchy and he doesn't believe there should be someone calling the shots. I Every team has a manager. Every team has a someone who's running the team. That's that's not new. It's not the Wild West. We have someone we report to. But when it comes to play calling in the A7FL, the quarterback is the one that should be calling the plays because he's on the field. We don't have someone in the booth with a camera. We don't have fucking headsets on. This is not well, what well, this well, is. Well, we do. We do. We do, but, but they don't. So now when you're calling a certain play, listen, like I said, I played with some of the best. When I get in a huddle with Huff, how does he call three plays back-to-back without knowing what the defense is going to do? We watch enough film to know that, hey, this is what they're going to do after we do this. We just know. We just know, and it works. You watched it work. So my thing is, that's speed. That's what – if Sick is still taking play calls from a guy that's on the sideline, that's not what a coach is supposed to do in the A7FL. I'm sorry. That's the difference between this league and any other league. The quarterback should be the one doing that because he's out there. No one else is out there. Just because you think it works doesn't mean it works. 
And we we just seen that in the championship game where Scott said he called this. RTC and the Rhyme were like, F no, we're doing this. And it won him a game. It won him a game because it's supposed to be a democracy. Corey Hammond, you were my quarterback. Did you do I need you and I need you to understand this as well. If you have a strong willed quarterback who knows what the fuck he's doing, no one's gonna question what he's doing because everybody's gonna agree. When Corey Hammond went back there and called plays of you know, contrary to what people believe, for some reason they thought he didn't call shit. Corey didn't ask us what the fuck we wanted to do. Corey would tell us what he wanted us to do. What do I I say if somebody else is talking in the huddle? He's like, hey, 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 hold on. Quiet quiet down, hold on. And and Corey gathers the huddle like a... And guess what? Uh, I say, shut the fuck up. No one talks in the huddle. (laughs) Listen, because... But guess what, though? Because we're football players, everybody shuts the fuck up. There's no ego in the huddle. But if Corey calls a dumbass play and... He sees everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Corey is not egoed enough to not listen. He'll listen. It's happened before. He'll listen to us switch a play. Like, yo, Corey, that's not going to work. Such and such is blitzing too much. I can't get that block. Corey be like, oh, well, all right. Then let's switch it. He'll switch it right there on the spot. He'll ask his receivers, what are you comfortable with? That it is a fucking democracy with a leader, but it's still a democracy in that sense. Because if something's not working, why the fuck would we keep doing it? How does this apply, so, Rob, mm-hmm. to teams? Let's just say teams in the Northeast, not the up like the below the BICU Watchman level, because we saw teams this past season go through similar quarterback woes that the Hunters and right. the, all the a lot of the same problems. Right. But only one of those teams had what out here would have a conventional coach. The other teams had injury issues or trying to find some sort of consistency. At least two teams ended up before after week one or heading into week one with their starting quarterback injured and unable to play for the majority of the season, which pretty much tanked their season. Pretty much. Another team kept trying to find options, but seemingly there was never enough consistency or trust to the point where that coach and that player had a Daniel Packer and Mark Gray level dust up to where they walked off. Right. Do you Well they also that team also didn't start practicing and implementing a scheme and an offense until a week before the season. Uh, we, we never practiced and we won a championship. I, I'm still not there. I mean, implementing but, but it schemes, goes back yeah, to that, that conversation of I'm trust. It takes a while. How long would you say it takes for an offensive line and an offensive unit to get comfortable with one another to where they respect that quarterback, they walk in with that level of trust, and also it's, they feel they have the level of respect to say, hold on, that play – like. When does that democratization take hold? I'm gonna be real with you. It takes one play. Yeah, as soon as as soon as somebody stands in that huddle and starts talking, you know whether he's a quarterback or not, right? As a lineman, as a receiver, as a running back, you know when you're dealing with a quarterback. When Corey Hammond came in for the Kings game in twenty what seventeen? It was the year that was the year after you guys won. So that was twenty seventeen. Yeah. Corey Corey Hammond comes in in twenty seventeen, hasn't practiced shit with nobody. That wasn't in the games in, in like crucial times where we, we needed him or could have used him. That was his first time running with that entire offense. Corey, if I'm lying, stop me, please. 
Please stop. No, we, we we I came in, you know, I came in against uh, the 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 Thrashers and Spankdown. Yeah, nothing and significant. Whatever. Nothing right. significant. No, no nothing I split time with CP. We were winning games. We were blowing teams out, except for the Gators when yeah. he played the whole game. Yeah. Yeah, nothing significant, right? Nothing significant. And the Gators game was just that shit was a wash. They, they kicked our asses. Um, I could admit that like wholeheartedly. But <laughs> Corey didn't. We weren't out here. We didn't call Corey and come up with schemes. We didn't call Corey and. And, and, you know, we practice for six hours that week and come up with this and come up with that. Corey hopped in. He looked at, he looked over us and said, all right, uh, da, 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 da. first play of the game, boom, goes. He sees who's rushing, now he's adjusting certain things. Da, 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 da. Next play goes. Next play bomb. Like, it's it's just, it, this, that's what football but players is there, do. But is there a universality to that? Because we can see teams like the BIC and the U and the Insomniacs do that because they have depth and they can rotate through so many units. But these lower teams, they keep trying to find the option at quarterback, and if it is one play for the upper-tier teams, it doesn't seem to click for a lot of those other ones because the offensive line sometimes doesn't know what's going on. They're trying to get a handle of the assignments. And it's also a lot of these guys are playing quarterback at this level or at any level for the first time. So you're handing someone the CEO position of your offense when they may or may not have had a resume walking into the job. And then you have them controlling six other people, being the leader for six other people on that field. Well, how about we just break it down to this? Who are our top seven guys? What? In in the top seven quarterbacks in the league, right? It was Geary. Mm-hmm. It was Buck. It was uh, uh, Rokeem Chaney. Huff, obviously. Sterry. Scott Hamilton. And 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 except for Geary. Who's last on the list, I think? All of those guys, I think, oh, confirmed 100%. They walk into the huddle, and whether it's and the perfect example is the Watchmen, and whether it's a two guy, two completely different guys walking into almost two completely different huddles and still being the offensive coordinator while they're on the field, or it's Mark Bagway walks into a, a Nightcrawler's huddle, and I don't know how that goes, but they probably speak on ESP at this point. They don't even have to say words; they just go in a huddle. They they have eye contact with each of them, and then they walk to the line and they know what play they're calling. And then you have guys like Sterry who. You know, we talked to Ashante. He has a system, and if you don't know the system, he's going to shit for it, and you're you're going to have to earn your your right to be back in if you don't show that you know what you're doing because he has expectations for you. And then you look at even Scott Hamilton, our number one quarterback, in a situation – he's a number one – we rated him the number one quarterback in the league, and in a must-score situation, he realized that the best way to just just absolutely demoralize and and walk down sick with it into – a situation where they were basically going to have a walk-off chance at a touchdown to win the game. He calls Wildcat the first four plays, five plays. Why is that? Because he knows that that's going to win. And, and, and that's because when what Rob is saying, and this is, this is to kind of you know maybe put the bow on the Mark Gray thing. If Mark Gray was the quarterback in the huddle and he calls that play for himself, Maybe he's got the legs to get around that corner when RTC unlock is coming at the And that's what Rob is really – what we're grinding down into a fine powder is that Rob is saying that for Geary on fourth and six to call Mark Gray's play, that's probably where the breakdown starts because 
I've heard that Mark Gray in his day was a pretty good quarterback and probably calls that similar play in a must-have situation, and he knows how to read it. You mentioned Huff earlier, calls three plays in the huddle and you know walks the line. He has this masterful you know understanding of offensive football and specifically the way that he wants to attack offenses with his skill set. Right, right. If, if Huff was my offensive coordinator and walked into a huddle and gave me the three plays that he was running with the animals, it's Come not going to work as well as if I were to walk into the huddle and say, all right, let's go base, you know, crack left, you know, let's do uh, – Right, but Corey, right. Corey, does that mean you're bad? No, no, no. Does that right. mean Huff's bad? No. It just means it's too different. It, I, I'm glad you said it that way. Yeah, I think it's we found it out. Skill. We, we did. We figured it, it out. out. We figured it out. It, like, because Corey out. Hammond, Corey Hammond comes to the line one time and goes, yeah, we're going to run an option and I'm going to keep it. Everyone on the line lifted Corey and laughed. And we went with it. You know we got like a first down off that shit, right? You know why that worked? Because no one expects Corey to keep an option ever. But he, he's guaranteed to give you one because he wants to keep you honest. That's part of the game. But Corey is not going to call an option play where he's the star runner on fourth and six, and we need a game winner. Corey's yeah. not doing that. No. It no would be hilarious to watch, though. Let's do the hypothetical. Let's do hypothetical. I want to do hypothetical three on one theater. Rob, uh, get your get your acting hat on. Um, It's fourth and six. Forty five seconds left to go. They're on their own thirty five. Hammond sets up in the shotgun. Three wide receiver set. Four on the line. No running back. Hammond steps back. He, Rob, he's running. Rob, oh, my God. He, Corey is taking off. He, he is running downfield. Nope, there is a defender there. He tries to cut to his left. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, I planted Corey Hammond. Oh, no. He is now a flyer. Oh, no. Why does he? Corey he's turned. Ladies and gentlemen, in all of my years of sports broadcasting, I have never seen a human being turn into a cartoon flower just as quickly as Corrin's Hammond has. Um, we're going to go send a producer to go get some miracle grow. Uh, we're going to take a brief timeout. It's Renegades 15, BIC 20. We'll be back in a moment on the A7FL Games of the Week. That's, that's an insane... You saw, you saw what I did there, though. You saw what I did there, though. I, I tried, too. I had, I had... Yes, I did try. <laughs> I had three wide receivers, myself and four linemen. <laughs> I tried to cheat. I went straight Patriots on them. <laughs> Sorry, man. Um... It's, and I think, like I said, I think we finally figured it out. And if that's what happened, then again, you as a coach that's calling the play, you have to be aware of what that quarterback understands that he can, can't do, what he knows and doesn't know, and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, CP3 is not CP3 if he's coached. Because some of the things that he was doing to make him stand out when he was in his his prime had nothing to do with a coach. It's just instinct sometimes. Ice cream truck never played running back before or wasn't even a starter. Instinctively, when he gets the ball, he knows what to do with it in A7FL. It, it's, it's different. A coach, you can't coach some of the shit that you're seeing in A7FL. So that's my biggest gripe with a play calling coach. 
let me start correcting myself by not saying just coach, a play calling coach, because I don't think you have enough understanding of our game, of the person that's playing quarterback, and of what's going on in the trenches for you to call a play. Corey, Corey, CJ, Sterry, Huff, these guys know what slide protection to call to automatically get every lineman to block a certain way. Huff will tell you who not to block in slide protection, even if you're in slide protection and you know, hey, we're sliding right, which means I leave, the, I, I leave that guy on the left. But if we have a slow fat boy in the middle, guess what Huff says? Oh, leave fat boy. So now automatically my lineman brain, okay, I'm going one over, one up. So I'm looking at the linebacker now. I'm leaving fat boy. Thick boy. Huff thick makes boy. fat boy look whatever. Thick boy. Huff makes thick boy look silly. And we score a touchdown. It, it's not rocket science. It's just, it, it's an understanding of the game that, you know, clearly insomniacs have and, and some other teams don't. I don't see James in Scott's ear telling Scott what to do. They might come to the sideline and talk about, hey, what did you see? Hey, how about we try this? How about we get this guy, you know, in position, you know, talk about some schemes, sure. But I don't think James is telling Scott down per down what he should be doing. I don't think that's healthy. And, and, he, he's a, and he's a former quarterback himself. So it's not like he doesn't know football enough to be like, hey, maybe we should try this or this is a good play. It's just that having the trust in your players to know as we're all adults here, right? It's not like you're you're looking at a, a sophomore in high school in the face that's that's you know deer in the headlights trying to figure out you know the the you know the three three five you know cover cover two right, shell right, defense right. that he's going against and how to you know how to hit the fade up the rail right you know what I'm saying so so like guys know and at the end of the day a seven FL is about it's more about the matchup creation than the right. scheme. Right, like you, you could say, oh, we run a West Coast or we run a spread offense. That's bullshit in A seven because it has nothing to do with what you're really doing. The way that a coach or an an, an alignment or a scheme can affect is, for instance, if you look look no further than how the animals' offense adjusted their gameplay when they got Huff, they went with a two lineman. We're running we're running a triple option RPO basically almost every one of their base plays. And when they were implementing that, they were putting guys in a matchup where they would get Isaac Gomez, baby Joker, on that little swing option, you know, pass. Or they would put, uh, you know, my guy, uh, what was the the, the light skinned dude with the dude rag, the the bigger wide receiver? I don't know, I forget his name. But he I was. I know you're talking about. He that, had one on one coverage all the time, because they would go play action, and it was just one on one coverage. Huff would throw it up to him. Um, sometimes it would be dropped, whatever. But. That's what you're trying to do as a coach or a schemer or a play caller in A7 is you're trying to create the matchups with motion, with formation, just with with lineups. And if you're focused on, all right, this is the scheme we're going to do, and it's like you're you're drawing lines like you're trying to create a play in match. Yeah, that ain't it, man. That's not it. You think, you think you're a, an offensive genius because your pen has ink in it and you can write on a, a piece of paper. But let me just say this for anybody trying to design a play, whether it's in A7 – or across any version of football, the first thing you need to do on a pass play is is set the protection correctly. <laughs> and if you go cross-face play action and the running back is going backside and the front side protection is two guys going out for a route and RTC is the defensive end, you leave unblocked and your quarterback is Jeremy Geary or myself, 
It is going to be a failure, Mark Gray. No matter how many times you call me names on Facebook, you failed your team, and that's why you lost your third straight to the champion Insomniacs. And that that I do I did want to make a mention of how offended they seemed to be about the take you had, and I, I get it. Maybe Corey rubbed some of y'all the wrong way, but yo, it was a stupid fucking play call. It was dumb. And it, it was dumb because it wasn't Gary's idea. It, it, that's there's too many other things that could have been done in that position. There's and, so many. Uh, and again, fourth and six, a team that doesn't run the ball. A fourth and six, a team that doesn't run the ball. You're gonna play action anyway. Why even that's waste silly. the time? Why that's even waste the time. fucking time? Jesus Christ! I'm gonna start getting on it again. But here's the thing: when when the hunters do something like that and they start doing wishbone, yeah, I got a little upset. But I didn't have a a, a 16 minute rant yeah. on the pot about it. You know why I'm so fucking pissed off about sick with it? It's because if they knew how to do the right things or if they had a coach that put them in the right position, Rob, regardless of what you say, because I agree with you and the insomniacs were playing with their food, but when you play with your food long enough, that shit's gonna that shit's gonna backfire. And the championship game, I love that we're talking about the championship game for hours longer than anybody else, and we're not even <laughs> we're, we're analysts, man. We can cut this the shit championship on, game on different ways. was the perfect moment in the fall for Sick Witted to put Insomniacs on notice and be like, oh, for all sure. right, word, you're going to be playing with your food? That's going to end in an L. And, <sighs> and now, unfortunately for the entire league, the Insomniacs still didn't get that wake-up call. Nope. They keep pressing fucking snooze. We thought the <laughs> RTC was the wake-up call was the alienators when they put up 41 points and threw for, what, 300 yards, Quentin Ariarty? Ah, uh, that should be a wake-up call. Nope. Same fucking thing happened next week in a championship game against their best comp. And then what did they do? In the fourth quarter, they walk them down, and they don't even have to try because they're just – I won't do the munchie voice. They're just better. Thank you. They're so just shout better, outs, bro. Shout-outs to, to, to Schufert, guys. It's not uh, but, I'm, but I'm sorry. Schufert. In situations like this, he's right. They're just better, bro. And, and, Honestly, and this was the perfect moment for them to have to to refocus and have to play every single game like a championship run again. And guess what? Sick with it failed the entire league because now the Insomniacs are going to go into every single fucking week until they play a team better. that they actually respect, which they may not respect anybody. They, what about the force? They play the force week one. And Let's they haven't seen matchups. they we're close guys. We're we're five weeks out. I think that we may want to go through each division's week one uh as we get closer to the season. I think it's a little early to do some well, that's the perfect one to start with, yeah. Matt. You're yeah. you're the smartest guy in the room. So <laughs> keep keep going with the point. But force and insomniacs to me, we haven't seen what the force will look like in this incarnation in their third season in the A seven FL. They were the first Vegas division champion, even though they were the comeback kids in some respect. They're a team that earned some respect for their win against the Snow Tribe and then getting dusted by the BIC. But is this a team where they're no longer in the upper tier? Is it a two-tier... Are they a second-tier team? Are there only two teams at the quote-unquote no. top, or are sick with it in the fourth still at the same level? That's going to uh, be a question that we need answered, and I think week one's going to set that tone because I feel like the force are going to be chasing sick with its tail 
this season, really? and I think in some, oh, wow. because well, we we know who their quarterback is, but we don't know what a lot of the other pieces are going to look like for this team. And there's a lot of questions about who might be going where during this five week sign up period, as Corey Hammond uh, gets the love and affection that he doesn't get on the internet from his <laughs> children. Um, That's why he don't take people serious. Corey gets love. We, we do have a we, we do have a real quick hot take. What do you think about the force? Yeah, yeah, that's true. What else? You heard it first. Yep. We I I agree with that's the child. Hilarious. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> that's hilarious. But we don't know what the force is gonna look like. With a lot of other teams, like we understand that certain teams are trying to keep their quarterback room a secret. Um, I don't know if it serves them well when when the you know the rosters are the rosters, but we know for the most part who's starting for a lot of teams in the league. We don't know what's going on with Florida. We don't know what LA is going to look like. But for the divisions we're expecting and the teams we're expecting to see this June, this July, and in deep into the playoffs, we know it's going to be Sterry. We know it's going to be Huff. We know it's going to be Scooter Hamilton. We know it's going to be Jeremy Geary. We don't know what a lot of these other teams are going to look like at the quarterback position. We, uh, While we know that the pit bosses are going to use Quentin, Quentin Uriarte, he seems to have won the starting job there, but Kamari Michael might be still the quarterback for the Hunters. I I feel if like... they show up to their games. Uh, Shots fired. But when we that's a that's the first kind of test usually and on a game day is actually be present at the field. But but the, anyway, having the question mark at quarterback at this point, less than a month it from does, the season, does how much do does that matter? Good. A lot because you've seen it last season where a couple of teams started off hot with um with their quarterbacks with their starting quarterbacks just to face injury and get lost in the sauce after a while like. The Renegades, who looked like a very promising team, once CP3 got hurt, it was kind of eh. the Buzz, who seemed like a promising team. We, I don't think they were ever healthy. Well, without Mark Diggs, yeah, healthy. they had one yeah. game with Mark Diggs. Their offense put forty up against the Animals. The oh rest of the games, they couldn't he was break gone. twenty. Right. So and shout out to Lenny Manziel. Sending okay. rippling waves again through the A7FL community. Somehow, but I think way. I think going back to 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 hyper-focused on Force Insomniacs. I think all of us kind of secretly want the Force to be that type of organization where with a strong coach that's not really, like, pushing play calling onto people, right? He was letting Rock Briscoe, who now apparently is taking over for the (coughs) offensive coordinator role, and we can let Rob, like, moan and groan about that in a second. But... The, thing, the, the unfortunate thing is, is that the promise of what the alliance was supposed to be in the fall was the, the preview to maybe like the Force Light or the, the, force, force, are the, the, the force are the Alliance Plus. And, and what we wanted to see is, like Matt's saying, the quarterback, Deion Fox, kind of cashing in on all of the, the hype and the promise and the 
you know, the potential that, that he's constantly being, you know, lauded about being so awesome and great and tall and fast and, and able to throw a spiral relatively far and hard. Not when receivers are, or corners are involved, but like, you know, when you're just standing there on a field, it's like, wow, he threw it 67 yards just, you know, you know, from one knee. Wow, Jamarcus Russell is the same exact player. He did the same thing. He's great. He was a great quarterback, right, Jamarcus Russell? So, so when we look at that matchup, that's one of those where – That's a crazy comparison, by the way. That, yeah, I, it's – listen, it's insane. obviously a shot. I, I, I'm not going to lie. The, yeah, the reason why I didn't say anything is because I was in utter shock that you even said that. But, uh, but that's, that's, yeah, that's what you that's get crazy. from a guy that is told, told – you're told that this guy is, is, is everything that you want him to be. But then when it comes down to it, he has to make in-game decisions to win a football game. But, but Corey, can I ask okay, you something? Okay, cool. Yeah, go ahead. Is he calling his own plays? Because now I'm starting to fourth, see something. I'm starting listen, to see something. But on fourth and twelve, is that what's is that what's holding the rest of Vegas back? A coach calling the plays. Well, Rock Briscoe was the quarterback, and now apparently is the coach now. So we'll see. But Rob, you, listen, we might have just cracked the code. We might have broke the cipher. We right. know. It's ass, and you got to take ass, and then you go work backwards on every other letter, and now we can get right. through the cryptic code. <laughs> What's that fucking movie with uh, Tom Cruise? The da Vinci it's code? the Da Vinci Code. So it's it's it's. Uh, I don't have a good thing to to. What's what's a work of art that Rob's done? Um. Uh, the Block Variety Code. Yeah. Oh uh, my the... God. That was a work right. of art when you hypothetically blocked him that one time when you because you've never faced him head to head. Um. <laughs> Listen, it was a work of art. But so so for the force to be the team that makes the week one matchup against Insomniacs work, they have to do the things that Sickwood was unable to do if the Insomniacs come out and play with their food. Now, the, the force have been known to be the, we're going to run the ball, we're going to play strong defense. They have a, a, a strength and conditioning coach as their, uh, a strength and conditioning coach as they're really their head coach. So if they can keep the game close, maybe they're in better shape because the Insomniacs have, have made it very clear that they don't practice. And recently, the Insomniacs, as great as they are and as talented as they are and as much of a championship they are to the point where Derek Duncan on the other side of the ball is going to scream at me that, until you beat the champs, we're the champs, and fuck <laughs> you, and all that shit. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I've seen a more vulnerable team based on the fact that what happened when they went out to do the flag thing that they talk about how they dominate all the time lost what what happened the last time they came out against an alien an alienators team which is basically the pit bosses which last year guys was 0 and 7 now shout out to coach Q he went out there and recruited they got a real running back potentially in Moncrief if he stays with the pit bosses you know milk but anyway that's not happening either and we'll get to that i guess but they could have they 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 were scared in, in, in the sense that the fans were scared of, like, wow, this is really not a great look for the Insomniacs. 66-41 to is not a close game, but against the pit bosses? I mean, they were called the alienators, and Coach Q did recruit. But that was – they looked vulnerable. They didn't look like they were going to lose, like Rob's saying, but they looked vulnerable. And then in the championship game, when we thought, after talking to RTC, that they kind of got the cobwebs out and the, you know, the, the slow start kind of nonsense that happens when you're just – you know, able to show up to a game hungover and still put up 60 on somebody, right? 
And I'm not saying those guys yeah, are man. drinking or whatever. I'm just saying just it, it feels like they, they come out and they're, they're, they're not fully invested in playing winning football until they're like, all right, let's just do it now. Yeah. I, I don't think a team has been more vulnerable, but also I don't think a team has had less of a, of a, of a obstacle in their way that they actually have to show up to the game 100% prepared. And that is an indictment on the entire division. And look, hopefully I'm wrong, which unfortunately, because I'd love to be wrong more, I continue to be right. And, and, and I told, you know, the Vegas division as it was growing to, 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 to look up the word hubris and find that, that the definition of that word and maybe read a, a, a Greek myth to kind of get the lesson. And what happened? Forrest came out after beating Snowtribe, thought that they were going to boat race BIC spanked and, and embarrassed and sent back packing on a plane, you know, talking about how great the season was, except for that one, you know, game where they could have went forward, whatever. And then it was the pit bosses in the fall. Then it was the hunters in the fall. Then it was the kryptonite in the fall, all feeling themselves talking the most shit in the, in the boards, losing literally the next week. And then it was the insomniacs who, well, maybe it was sick with it because we, we were told, that when Sickwood showed up into the league, that they were going to be the team to beat. They went up early on the Insomniacs, probably started to feel themselves, and then the Insomniacs kicked it into gear, and since then have not looked like they would lose to team, any team other than the Nightcrawlers until Quincy Burtz was literally a mutant among men. Until the, the Boonak blessing, my guy. Call it the Boonak blessing. You know what it is. Shout-outs to Donnie Boonak. Uh, always and forever. Always. But... For me, week one for the Insomniacs, it could be one of those situations where if they don't show up ready to play or, you know, their corners just are like, you know what, I'm going to take week one off because, you know, on Saturday we had a flag tournament and, uh, you know, my legs are just a little tired. Uh, you know, let, let some other guy get burned. So right, Rob, you know from a top team guy and you don't always go, that happens. Well, let's go no, down that road because we saw the exact same thing and Ashante Worthy talked about it on the show. That's what happened with the BIC last season. Yeah. Got more and more guys were deprioritizing what was going on and running it back or had other things going on that were more financially important to them and the and it would show on the field. We would see guys well, that and, wouldn't do and that. they only lost to the U though, you know. Yeah. But that was the one game they should have showed up. So that's mm-hmm. another whole full episode that we could just both times. you know get angry both, at them you can't, for that. You can't not both times yeah well it's the same team though but for me the insomniacs would be in trouble if Dion fox was as advertised mm. because what what always has given top teams trouble in the a7fl rob it's a quarterback that can that can pass and run both right that's why i'm constantly finding new teams because everybody's looking for that guy that can just erase all of their roster and 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 play calling mistakes because he's that talented right those guys don't always exist and sometimes they exist in the form of they can't make the right decisions whether they have the physical tools or not is not a question Deion fox is tall he's fast and when he plays for instance i don't know the goal looks like a great quarterback doesn't he yeah, then put them against the Insomniacs and watch them crumble, throw two interceptions, can't complete a forward pass. And, yeah, that thing's humming. It's whistling by, you know, open receivers into the ground or, or way beyond them. But that's not how the force are going to win a football game. And, you know, I, I had the promise. 
because I try to be optimistic as, as much as I sound like uh, Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino, get off my lawn. <laughs> but I try to be an optimist, but I'm, I'm just looking at the fall. I was really excited to finally see a football game in that championship. But in my opinion, the worst case scenario happened. The Insomniacs were rewarded for in consecutive weeks coming out and starting to fully play midway through the second quarter, and it didn't hurt them at all. In fact, it probably made them it probably made them feel even better about themselves to the point where, you know, we might not even see Kenny Mack against any team other than stick with it in the force. I don't blame him. But does that that's your create... that's your thing, Rob? Isn't but that, it? But yeah. how many pieces do you lose to where okay, we ha- and it's the same argument that we've been discussing with bringing in Trey Robinson and bringing in Pac Money and bringing in Mark Bagway. Like you're bringing in three of the top twenty players in the league on a team with already four or five other guys who might be in that conversation, at least two who are going to be in the top five. And you are figuring out how do you play them when they're available and you're inserting other people into those roles. Does consistency come back into it? Like does inconsistency, because we saw teams that would have long layoffs take forever to get back into it. And, if you're the Insomniacs and you're without Kenny Mack from week two to week five, like you don't have, you have bullshit games. You would think he thinks, I, I, you know what? I'm not even, I don't even need to show up. Screw not playing in cleats. Screw not, you know, playing in Sean Claus and socks. I'm just not even going to show up next man up. Or even, even more altruistic than that. Let's say he has a, 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 priority situation where he's going to coach his, his his youth team or something. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be the the Rob's, oh, I don't play against ass teams. Like, what if he's not there a lot? Or what if, you know, I think what you're asking, Matt, right, is 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 what's where is the diminishing return line with the Insomniacs? Like, yeah. how many guys need to not show up? But, you know, what's, what's interesting is what we saw in the fall is that when they add a guy like Zachary Luciano, who you guys – probably aren't 100% familiar with. He was kind of the guy who came in for Lex Luthor for the kryptonite at, you know, quarterback, and he started at kind of like an Edelman slot. He's a playmaker, and he showed in the fall that he can do some things at quarterback if Scott Hamilton just decides, you know what, I'm going I'm to put my feet up and rest and watch uh, some, some A7 football from, from the house on Sunday. Or let's say RTC wants to take a week off. They got two running backs that can fill in. But what I, I, what's the position in which they're gonna they're gonna be in trouble if their their main guys don't show up because they're so no, but loaded? That's the that's ki- exactly, and that's kind of the the gist of it, right? I didn't some games I didn't show up because yes, indeed, they were asked teams, and there were other guys in my position that needed the work way more than I did. Playing football is like riding a bike, bro. You don't forget just because you stop for a while. Like you're gonna always remember. Of course, you're going to be a little rusty. You're not going to be doing wheelies, wheelies and stuff, but you'll be able to get in there, plug and play. So if a guy like Kenny Mack misses five weeks and then comes back, it's not like he's going to come back and be like, oh, man, I forgot how to run a dive left. Like It's not going to be a situation like that. And in all honesty, they take Kenny Mack out and put someone else in to get that PT, to get that experience, you feel me, so that when Kenny Mack needs a breather, they have a solid guy coming in for him, which is one of my um, 
That's one of the things I believed in when I would take these games off on BIC because there was other guys that needed the work. I needed to see in crunch time if I get hurt, if someone gets hurt, or if I need to take a breath because I, I've just I've just given 150% six downs in a row and I need to breathe for once because the defense is rotating defenders on me. I need to know that the guy I just put in, I could trust for two, three plays. And how do you do that if he never gets in? Do you get what I'm getting at? No, no, that makes sense. And, like, Rob, you are not going to be considered to be selfish by any stretch of the imagination, especially being on this team. Like, you you fucking carry the load for me and Corey way too much. Uh, So you are not a selfish player at all. Not at all. But when you see guys who – hypothetically, if this was a situation, and we've seen it with other teams where guys will get moved from one spot to another and they'll get salty. And it'll be like, this isn't what we agreed to, and we've seen that play out a couple of times over the last few years. Does that have a... Is there a potential for that to be a problem? Or if you have the right culture, the right right locker room, the right mentality on the sidelines... Next man up, next man up, next man up. Because we've seen that with the running backs. We've seen that with the wide receivers. Uh, and we've even seen that with the quarterbacks to where they all kind of champion and stand around each other. So it seems like the Mutual Admiration Society works for a majority of the people there. We've seen people leave the Insomniacs and try well, to Well, and that's what thing. the team leaders format, right? Yeah. Like that's where I give Coach James a lot of the credit for the Insomniacs is is having that ability to manage the, the the personalities and the talent and the rotation of guys so people aren't getting disgruntled and everything. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things I think Ryan Shamar has always excelled at is that guys trust him and they trust everyone else so that, you know, the rotation of guys like the U when they had the championship run, because you look at those rosters, Rob, and you were on them, even at the offensive line position there was depth. So it was it – was, all guys contributing to the greater goal. I think it's all it's a it's a hard line to toe because you know we were talking about sick with it earlier. They had two really good wide receivers out on that fourth down play. They had Pac-Man Jones, who we all respect. We've seen him score twice in Jersey, and then the guy and I, I keep forgetting his name. I talked to Derek Duncan uh, about it because I wanted to know who he was, and. Derek says that the number one guy with the he had kind of like a tight bun and like a fade or whatever, number one for sick with it, he was in the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers locker room, once upon a time. So we're not talking about guys who can't play, but at the end of the day on fourth and six, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, you know we're we have top wide receivers either this episode or, or coming soon, to a, a podcast near you. Darren Palmer's not out there on fourth down, in a championship oh, game. Man. That's 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 one of the other things that I was I didn't even mention on on that take. I mean Cause... I mean but that that's that comes down to at that point that's Jeremy Geary's fault as well or whoever the quarterback was was it Geary? No yes. quarterback it was Geary. So it's Geary's fault as well because even if the game manager or coach or whatever you want to call him, perfect example, Ryan Shamar could make the call that he wants me on the offensive line, but it doesn't fit Huff's scheme. Huff will send me out because it doesn't fit the scheme because they use me as like sometimes I'm in there as a distraction because if Big Rob's in, there's a good chance it's a run. And 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 depending on the stance I choose to use, they might think it's a run. And he'll, he'll pull me because then they're like, oh, they're definitely passing if Big Rob's not. It's definitely a pass. They don't, they're not going to take the chance and run 
if Big Rob's not in because Big Rob's one of their best run blockers. So what does Huff do? Huff runs the ball and scores. And then everyone's looking around like, okay, it works, but you have to, you can't have an ego in this shit. Like, we can't, we can't. And I think that's why the U works. I think that part that's part of the reason why BIC works. Everyone's an actual football player that came from a program that understands hierarchy. Yeah, and Even that's why the Insomniacs worked last last year too. Yeah, and and yeah, facts. And and look what happened to them. They went all the way. And it's like that's why the Nightcrawlers work. That's why the Watchmen yeah. work. There's right? an understanding of hierarchy, and there's a respect, bro. I'm, as much football experience as I can have. Take um take what, what, I always blank on his name because they call him something completely different. But the the lineman from the U, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Deshaun Johnson, Johnson right? Yeah, Deshaun Johnson was on the Packers, bro. Yeah, he's listening to Huff. What, what the hell? Like, do you understand what I'm getting at? He was on the who on the field has more p- experience than a dude that was on the fucking Green Bay Packers? No one. But he's listening to Huff. Yeah, same same huddle. Joel yeah. Rivera was on the Jets roster. Oh, come on now. Come on. Right. And he's listening to Alex Fargus back then. Come, come, bro, come on. So it's like the egos have to go. The egos just have to go. And once the egos go, teams are going to start winning more games. And again, I didn't, this is my take on the whole force thing. Secretly, secretly, I have a very soft spot for the force. Mm. And the reason why I have this soft spot for the force is because they were the first Vegas team I saw. They were the first ones to come out here and actually win. It was them. I thought they were going to be Vegas. So in my mind, there's always an opportunity for the force to go back to the position that I, I had them in, whether they were in it or not. But, you know, I thought the force was going to be a force to be reckoned with, no pun intended. So to see them fall to the two or the three, you know, it's not the greatest. And you just always hope that, you know, maybe with the recruiting, maybe if they stop letting coaches from the sideline call plays that are on the field, maybe the force can punch the insomniacs in the mouth and wake them up and give them an actual close game, unlike what we saw in the fall championship. Because I wasn't a close game. I know you. everyone thinks it was. If you ask the force, the, they won't tell you that it was a close game. It wasn't. Yeah, it, it was good for TV. Yeah, it was All good right, for so TV. how about this? Because we were, talk, we're talking about Sick With It a lot. So let's let's break it down with Sick With It in a way that it kind of is, is, is put in the hypothetical and we can start doing the conjecture stuff. But what level of team do you look at Sick With It and say that's mm. where they can – that's where they either – you know, are a, have a chance to win or are going to win, right? Or and and then the what the next level up is, oh, they, they're not going to beat that team. So, for instance, uh, I, I know, I know, start I know towards the mean. bottom of the top. No, right? no, start I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. Sick with it, chaos. What would we say? No, don't do that. Come on, stop wasting time. Bro. Why do you do this? Right, Why but do you we do have this? to give them. We have to. Give, we have to bump them up gradually, at least. No, 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 no. Let's just cut it. Fine. They're number two. You do it. You do it. They're number two in Vegas, so respectfully, I'm only gonna, you know, put them at the top, just the top five in, in the Northeast, right? They're not gonna beat. Okay, listen. So to they me beat. Very the, so they beat the chaos. So they beat the chaos. Everybody beats the chaos. Fine. 
What about what about Nightcrawlers without Mark Bagway and without no. Deontay Henderson? No, they don't beat Logo Davis. Are you crazy? That motherfucker is the best. Well, is Logo going to be back with the Nightcrawlers when it comes to playoff time? Know. That's we a good question. That's Let's assume that he is. Let's yeah, assume that he is. If he is there, then... Um... All right, so they don't beat the Nightcrawlers. All right, so now, now we kind of by default have to go to... Because I wanted to do Ohio and Florida and then go to the Northeast. So, Rob, where do you start in the Northeast? Let's, you know, the Northeast is... Uh, Watchmen were at the top, so we'll go in order of where they were. Watchmen, you, BIC, you know, the other Maryland team we're, we're questioning, so we'll see, right? And then what was the, the next level? The Animals, we know that they're not going to be there, no disrespect to them, but they don't have huffs, so they drop down. So we'll say Watchmen, you, BIC, Snow Tribe, Renegades, and then second Baltimore team. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to, you know, I do everything quick and kind of to the point. They're not beating anyone in in that top upper echelon of anything if the coach is calling plays from the sidelines. They're not. They're just not. Listen, because one that way means... that you do learn, though, Rob, one way that you do learn is by failure, right? For sure. Maybe this failure is, and, and that's why I point out failure sometimes as as, you know, ignorantly as I do. But if you take the failure and learn from it and don't fall, cross face play action backside, nobody protects the front side on your rollout play, Mark Gray. Oh, yeah. and if, if now, listen, listen, if they learn from that, or if Mark Gray looks at it and says, look, these are our plays, this is the kind of schemes that we want to run. But, Geary, you're in the game. You know your talents. You know what you're comfortable with. You call the plays that we've worked on in practice week after week after week. Maybe they learn from that, and then that's not what they're dealing with, right? So hopefully that's a, 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 so a like a, a given that, point where they given can that run premise, from. Right. So let's go that with premise, that premise. Let's go with that premise. I think they can right now. I don't from the Snow Tribe. I remember, and even with the quote unquote pieces they're bringing, I think they beat Snow Tribe, and it's a tough game. I think they beat Snow Tribe in the fourth quarter, maybe by a score. I think. Um, Let's let's just go based on let's just go based on last year's information because it's yeah, it's they, hard they to beat, project. So let's just talk Snow about Tribe last by, year's by score. They beat so they beat score. so they beat Snow Tribe. All right, let's let's by score. It, it, it's also very convenient that I can take myself out of it as well. Let's go with last year's Renegades with let's say a healthy CP3. CP3. Oh, I don't think they win that game. Because that's a really tough matchup for the matchup-wise because you look yeah, at the defensive line, mm -mm. that's the one oh, thing no. that could maybe be the counter to a sick with it team. And people yeah, don't respect the Renegades because they haven't played them head-to-head. -head. But when you yeah, have those understand. pressures, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're All talking right, so, Jeremy so, Geary, who's not that mobile, having to deal with Trey Baskerville and Megatron in a healthy Predator? Fuck out of here. He's cooked. What about, He's what, cooked. about what about Animals last year with Huff? But also, let's be clear, no disrespect to the Animals. But Huff was an elevator. He he brought sure. some talent, I, but I the animals like talent comes... for talent. I don't know if if they're keeping up. They get walked with down. Sick with it. They walk. They Huff would have to do everything. That's the thing. Uh, that's what, but that's what he was doing. He no, but lost it, to who? But well, the he, problem but... is, with the exception of the Renegades, the U and the BIC, he wasn't having monster linemen being thrown at him. The Sikwidit does have some solid people on the defensive line. If Huff is playing corner or safety and quarterback, they're going to extend the field. They're going to continue to go deep. 
the way they play football would exhaust Huff. And I think I, over time, all the issues with the offense in terms of depth, the reason why the Insomniacs are able to re- to deal with that is that they can slow the clock down and they can beat you with their depth. Well, definitely Insomniacs. I wanna, so I wanna, but but that's why I'm saying wanna, the animals wouldn't be able yeah. to do that because they had such a finite amount of talent but, around okay. I want to I want to make a very clear point that we're talking about a sick-witted team that has never even smelled an East Coast team. Let's start there, Fair. right? Number they have two. played the Insomniacs, though, so they they played no, no, the no, no, team no, no, that's no, better no, no, than no, them. No, 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 no. Let's, let's slow down. I'm not. Yes, I'm not. Team. I know. And I'm gonna tell you I'm, why I said that. Go ahead. When I spoke to the force, when I spoke to guys from the force, we had RTC. They told me right when I, they told me verbatim, and RTC is literally one of the best players in the league, if not the best running back. He told me the Snow Tribe is one of the toughest teams they've ever played. Then. Yeah, listen tribe. now, now listen to what I'm saying to you. That was two that, years ago too. That wasn't last oh, year's Snow right. Tribe, which was better. Okay. It was the, yeah. Okay. It was the it so was now, the it was the Snow Tribe that lost eighty. No disrespect to my guys, yeah. but it was the Snow Tribe that lost eighty nothing to BIC. Eighty nothing. But yeah. that Snow Tribe, RTC said, like holy shit, that was a very tough team because the physicality of the Northeast is not something you can just wake up one day and deal with. Now the Force came in here, had a tough game against them. But again, talent's gonna be, you know, the, the force had more talent than the Snow Tribe did. They figured it, it out by the end. Right? They, figured they figured it out. It out by the end, but definitely. And, and, and it wasn't, and it wasn't as close it. as, yeah, it wasn't as it close wasn't. as the score looked. But the, but the physicality is nothing. Yeah, exactly. Now, right. So now you got an animals team, who's probably a little more physical than that Snow Tribe team. Sickwitted is not ready for that physicality for four quarters straight, and the proof is in the pudding. When you show that last play and see all three of the linemen whiff on blocks for guys that are under 200 pounds, just sliding right past them to rush Jeremy Geary. I can give you got it. I think we're forgetting that the East Coast defense knows how to rush, regardless of who's on that line. They know how to rush. Jeremy Geary's going to have a hard time dealing with the offensive prowess of Huff and, and any New Jersey D line that can actually rush. I don't think the animals blow them out. I think they lose to the animals with Huff. I don't think they get blown out though. I but think I will it's a say score, this as a counterpoint, points. as a counterpoint to what you're saying, if we look at the animals last year and give them a lot of credit, how did they fare against the the true top teams? The best performance they had was in that's, the playoffs no, against the no, Watchmen. They lost by one no, score. That's fine. Yeah, but against fine, the U and BIC, when saying, they had when they were undefeated, not, and we were okay, talking no, about a top to ten team. You have to stop because you just said true top team. Sick with it is not a true top team. And that's fair care. to say, but that that yeah, was my question. How many that. top teams are there in the A seven FL right now? National national championship contenders. Not, yeah, the guys that could actually win the chip. Those are the guys. That's why I don't talk about Ohio ever. That's why so I just don't. So it's the Insomniacs. It is mm-hmm. the Nightcrawlers. It is the For Watchmen, sure. the BIC, For sure. the U. So you're saying That's there it. are only five teams in the league, five teams out of the over 20 in the A7FL, just about a quarter of the league. Just five. And, have, and after have y'all the... listen to this, and after y'all listen to this, if you feel the way, prove me wrong. That's it. All and also, when should we announce that we're bringing the, the seven list back? Because we're going to do top seven wide receivers next week, and we're going to bundle it with another one. 
But okay. the week before the season starts, the the let's look at the calendar here because we'll actually promote stuff we're doing on the show. Uh, March, the week of March 19th, so March 22nd, the two days before the start of the A7FL season, we will drop the top seven A7FL teams to start off the 2024 season. Ooh, preseason polls. Gotta love them. And it'll be interesting. Who was our preseason, who was our preseason number one last year? I believe it was the BIC. It was absolutely 100% the BIC. You know what's funny? We had, we had the preseason poll. We had the Nightcrawlers way higher than we did all season because we just weren't seeing them. Well, so yeah, we knew about that. And if you've never seen our top right. seven polls before, it is Where based on yeah. It, well, welcome new fans and welcome people who are just finding this podcast because of the internet or being bored. Uh, Hi, we decide the top seven teams <laughs> based on the level of competition, the level of the team, and where we are in the season. So in the early weeks, it's going to be just based off of mostly win loss and what we know of who's on what team. And to, as we get to a callback, Matt. Yeah, for a callback, Matt. We don't have to explain this shit to these plebes. Fuck them. We're going to rate you guys. You're going to deal with it. And if you want, you could call into the call-in line and bitch about it, and then we can get, a, get oh. to those. So, Dang. Matt, what's the call-in line? Because I've never oh prepared even all the time. 516-387-A7FL. That's 516-387-A7FL. And look, oh, we you do, are wild, man. Yeah, but listen, we do what Matt is saying. We spend a lot of time trying to do this the most effective way that you can with the information that we have. But just like Rob would groan and moan all season last year, we have so little information to compare these teams that we're doing the best that we can. So right. there's your small sell. But in reality, fuck them. Let's just drop the top seven, and you're going to be excited for it. But here's my thing on Sickwood, and this is my last Sickwood thing. We have spent the majority of this episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done I'm, with Sickwood. I think we're good on Sickwood it until week five of next season. <laughs> and that's not a knock on them. It is just wait, the way. Wait, when do they play the force? When do they play the force? Uh, give me Before one second. Five? Let me take a look at the count, the schedule as it stands I, right I'll now. I'll definitely watch that game for sure. Well, I'm we'll be calling it more than likely. Uh, Sickwood and that... Force is the game of the week for week three. So Ooh, nice, yeah. We that's have, per, as of now, on week three. Perfect spot. That's also BICU first time. Damn. You know what else is that week? You know what else is that week? It's a it's Snow Tribe and Renegades. Snow Tribe Renegades. Let's go. That's a big week. Yo, week three in the A7FL is looking it's lit right now. Week lit. three is going to be bonkers because you also have Buzz and Watchmen for the first time. Oh, my God. You have the A-team and the Nightcrawlers. The Orange oh and the Ghost. Oh, my God. Uh, we have the okay. Crush versus the Octane, which should be interesting. Uh, yeah, you made you made Rob's day right there. <laughs> the Explorers versus the Heist, and the Var the, like and a name. battle of the expansions. It's the Volcanoes and the Guard Dogs. Um, I in, like the I like the name. Explorers. In Vegas, like it's going to be the OTT and the Hunters. So the uh, Mendoza Line Bowl, um, Gold and the Kryptonite. Sickwood and Force and Pit Bosses and Insomniacs, which is a Final Four matchup from the fall, ostensibly. Oh, they, uh, they old, they old. They got to get it back in blood, huh? They're yeah. Quinn yeah, Uriarte is going to be flinging it. Yeah. 
that's going to be an absolute massacre, guys. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to have a, 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 a NC-17 rate as most, as most Insomniac games going. Where Where is your guys... Where is the team that you guys think is the one team that is not those top five that legitimately has a chance based on the path and the talent to maybe crack into that maybe could win a championship? I, I think the Renegades and the Heist are the are the two but are we gonna say the height the heist are then championship contenders if they can beat the I chaos? wouldn't say that I don't know. No, I don't know if they're championship contenders. What I'm saying is the most interesting paths to me are for the Snow Tribe and the Renegades because I feel like because they've placed each other more than once and because there's a lot of comp and conversation about them and a lot of, you know, a lot of orchestrated ballyhoo by uh, yours truly because uh, it's a long time between July and March and... And you gotta keep it entertaining somehow. The the amount of set dressing done to break kayfabe, like we can all admit that this is ridiculous, right? Like heading into this season has been hilarious. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm having the time of my life preparing for this season, talking about Sigwita championships and Quinton Ariarty and. And 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 Huff going back to the U. Uh, this you guys could think this is this is not important. This is of the most utmost importance. What do you mean? We we, we had we had Vegas talking about sin as a word. And, oh, and let's talk about that as because that has popped off into we, like that is the Rob. You weren't here last week, so me and Corey no. were very petty. I don't know what of the show you listened to. Um. But what do you think of what do you think of the mess we've made? You guys, listen. I'm gonna be honest with you. Corey consistently makes messes. I can't say you make too many, but Corey, we're cleaning up a Corey mess about once a day. What did I? What did I do? Point. But the thing is, no, he's no. usually blamed for shit that either you have said or the I have reiterated. Yet. I mean, and well, I've argued we, against. We we know why. He's know Ace why. Phoenix, Ace Lawyer, just going from show to show, and now we've had to do that. Like we're all each other's attorney. We're all each other's spokesperson on these other sh- on our children, on the programming that has populated around the A7FL. Like RTU, like we, me and Rob have to go on to RTU to litigate this. Corey and Rob know. are on let the him, other let side him of have the ball. Let them have their fun. No, no, no it's no. it's fun, but that's the Keith, thing. Keith is These cool. people are no, no one. Keith Salmons is awesome. No, Keith is awesome. It's just the people that come up on a show and have a lot but, to but say. But you know, we, I, we need you can't things say like the names that. You said I'm not allowed. No, yeah, we I'm need no ones. We need things like that in the league. Not only because we need show prep. Um, we are very lazy. Um, it is a sh- it is a uh, snow day here on the podcast, so we are just kind of doing whatever because uh, we all had things no not a lot of things to do because it fucking shitted snow outside the house did you Pretty did much. you guys like my snowman that yeah that the snowman was adorable i think it will probably last longer than the snow tribes 
playoff oh, hopes this season. Oh, there we go. Shots fired. Um, but go. there's another mess we have to clean up. But uh, the Sin City, Sin City thing, I, I'm trying to understand it from the Nevada side of things. But I just... What's the problem? Um... You can't use Sin City as your name. We're Sin City. Even though we've never named the team Sim City, we're one city and we're all Las Vegas or Vegas, but you can't use Sin City. I hate that voice so much. Ew. I, listen, uh, I hate when they use that voice too. It's so grating. <laughs> I can I can understand the plight. I, I'm just going to be honest. I can understand I call bullshit. Why? You don't understand that level of, of no, insignificant whining. I, I you have do, never whined about shit in your fucking no, life no, like no, that, no. Rob. I don't whine much about much, but if I was, who, which one? Who's the Sunshine State, right? Florida. Okay, now if Florida's going against um, a team in the Northeast and they're calling themselves the Sun the Sunshine Shatters. I'm feeling about that. Yeah, like, but I, if it was, would you? But would you but really, if but it wasn't really done rough? purposely. It's not like they changed their yeah, name to a, that. It's, it's not a purpose. But I'll give you an example of of a situation where we kind of did that. But we like in semi pro, I was on a team called the Vikings. We were going against a team called the Vikings, but they had like these gold colors, and we were like, "Bro, we'll beat you for the colors." And they said, "Yeah, we beat them," and they then you know they reneged, but. You know, it's stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I guess it's fun. Yeah, it's more like, it's more like Corey more. Hammond Memorial Field when I absolutely disrespected the Kings to the point where they had to change their name and never be seen again. Okay. Corey's going to be hard to you this week. Oh, buddy. Um, probably already was. I don't have Instagram. I, I'm, I'm just upset that I can't watch it anymore, my old ass. <laughs> and I'm not downloading an app. Just for no, no disrespect to Keith Salmons. Everybody else should listen. Ah, uh, the RTU listen becoming up. a victim of the streaming wars. <laughs> no, he's the king of the streaming wars. He's the oligarch in the back selling, selling arms it, it to is both sides and making millions. Watching RTU or The Price Is Right or any of these shows because I, I habitually watch them. Anytime I see them, I'm watching them for a few minutes because it reminds me of WFAN. Like the old late yeah. night WFAN, right, right, pure right. chaos where it's Jerome from the Bronx yelling as <laughs> as the host is like duct taped to the wall as this person is explaining. But now you have the feature of other people coming on and then shouting at each other. So it, right. it turns into if sports talk radio was Reddit. And at a right. perverse level, at a very sicko level, as a sicko of this league, it I delights it. the shit out of me. Yeah, I love it. What I've never, I'm, 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 the, the only reason I know that those are on is because guys in other divisions call me on my cell phone with my number, not the Facebook Messenger. They'll literally call me and they'll be like, hey, by the way, there's a show going on right now and they're trashing you. And I'm like, well, it's just another day that ends in Y. <laughs> love, or love or you see a text message come in from me and Rob. Yo, fuck that guy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going there, on I'm there. there. Fuck that guy. All right, I'll see you in there. And then we're just on Instagram yelling at somebody and getting them to give away state secrets while they're, Listen, they're coming. The GM is in the chat. 
Log off. Log off. That was the funniest part of the last week to me. Is that you you find yourself in a situation where your Wait, own people are telling you to log off. I wish I was there. It might have been fun. It was chat too much. But I feel like I, I feel like much. we've been petty for ninety minutes, and I feel like that is more than enough podcast. And I'll drop I'll drop a bomb that's just gonna make Rob like just for the rest of the week until next until the next time we film or or record or whatever we're doing. Shout outs to wherever podcasts are sold. So my question before was, what's the team that can kind of break into that top? And you know, I I I don't go I don't go and say you know put my name into it. I try to separate myself, player and analyst. Love you guys if you do hypothetically mention me, but there's work to do, so I'm gonna focus on week one. Well, I did reference but, the Renegades, so yeah, that's why I'm, that's why I'm kayfabing. But you know, <laughs> as we as we are about to be out of here, I'll just drop the bomb, and then it's just time to stop recording. I'm not even going to respond. As much <laughs> as we have focused on the shit talk of what they're getting wrong, that team, if they can just beat one team and then they become the de facto championship contender, is none other than sick with it, guys. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to suit. On that note, for Big Rob Fabian, for Corey Hammond, you can get the merch at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. That's tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And you can also follow us on Instagram, 3on1a7fl, or on Facebook. Search 3on1podcast. Next week on the show, top seven wide receivers will have the news back and more info on the new news team, whoever or whatever that may be. And also more takes that get you pissed off at us. For Big Rob Fabian, for Corey Hammond, I'm Matt Ryan saying, as always, don't be an asshole. It seems like I'm not, but I am. I am trying. And I'll try.